Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. I'm excited about the teaching that God has has downloaded in my spirit. Going to be in the book of 1 Kings, chapter number 19, uh, verses number one, first Kings chapter number 19, uh, verses number one. Uh, the scripture declares when Ahab got home, yes, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Now, that's very, very powerful. Verses number two declares, so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the God strike me and even kill me if God, if by this time tomorrow I have not, I have not killed you just as you killed them. Verses number three declares Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. God bless us today. Then he went on alone in the wilderness traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have, I have had enough, Lord. Look at this prayer, y'all. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Five declares. Then he laid down and slept under a broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Six declares. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate. And lay down again. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you once again for this opportunity, Lord God, to minister the word of God to the people of God. I realize, God, of myself, I'm absolutely nothing, Jesus. I, I need you, God. I need your help in this hour, Father, like never before. Be glorified, my King, in everything that's said and in everything that's done. I'll be careful to honor you, Father, today. I thank you now, and it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. Let's go ahead and dive into what it is that God has slow cooked in my spirit. Um, as I was preparing for this message, um, I was reminded a conversa of a conversation I had uh, several years ago with one of my mentors, Pastor Nance. Um, we were in Hattiesburg doing some work there, and after we finished, we went to Crackle Barrel to just to, uh, just to have dinner together. And I remember asking him a question. I said, sir, what is the key to ministry success? Now, I've asked this question of mentors and father figures many times in the past. Uh, but one of the things that he said to me, I mean, it just stuck out like a sore thumb even to this very day. Uh, between, between his chews of mac and cheese, he paused and looked up at the ceiling and he says, Pastor, this is the key. He says, if you will remain good ground, God will continue to bless you. He paused for a moment again, and he went on to say, God has a habit of sowing into good ground. I want you to just put that in the chat for a moment, that God has a habit of sowing into good ground. So for the past three to four years of my life, I have been doing everything that I can to understand what does it really mean to be good ground. So before we dive into what the, the real lesson today, I just want to give some synonymous statements that we've been highlighting for the past couple of weeks. In, in Matthew 25, 23, Jesus, he gives in this parable, he says, if you're faithful over a few things, I will make the ruler over many things. In essence, if you will be, if you will be consumed with what I I have placed in your hand, the little bit that I've placed in your hand, I will re reward you with much more. Another synonymous text that we've been looking at is 
Daniel chapter number six, verses number three, where the man of God, he's already been promoted to number three in the kingdom. He's, he's one of three governors over 120 mayors. And the scripture declares in Daniel chapter number six, verses number three, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. Watch this. Because an excellent spirit was in him. This is so powerful. And the king, because, because of this excellent spirit, this attitude, the Bible declares, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So let's press pause for a moment. We're going to hang our hat, of course, on the, on the thought of an excellent spirit. But it's synonymous with being faithful over few. It's, it's synonymous with being good, good ground that Pastor Nance told me about years ago. So we've been defining an excellent spirit as an attitude that causes one to be their best and do their best despite external factors. So here's the question that I have for you guys today, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of the day. How can I maintain an excellent spirit? How can I maintain this attitude of being good ground? How can I maintain this attitude of excellence? How can I be in a position, watch this, that I be my best and I do my best? Now, I was struggling with this, man. I was really, really struggling with this because understand, um, I know what it's like to be in school, and I'm in school right now working on a, uh, uh, some, some uh, further in my education, and I know what it's like to be in front of my professor and my class peers giving a presentation, wanting to do my best, but unable to give my best. Come on, somebody. So when we're talking about an excellent spirit, no, we're not talking about perfection, but we're talking about being in a position, not just a desire to do your best, but literally being in a position where you can give your best. And one of the things that we highlighted on last week, for if you, if you want to be one of those individuals who give your best and do your best, you must learn how to manage your time. Somebody just type time management. Now understand what time management, one of the, one of the key things that we highlighted was the fact that every time you say Yes, by default, you're saying no to something else. Every time you say yes, you say no by default. And there are some of you guys that God desires for you to do a better job than what you're doing right now. But the reality is you are overcommitted in the yes category. And so when he does prick your heart to do something for him, it's by default a no. Understand, even as I was preparing for this particular message, there was a block of time that I needed to pray to seek the face of God, to study the word of God. So there were things that I had to on purpose say no to so that I could avail a yes when God began to prick my heart concerning this time. So by default, when you say yes, you automatically say no. But today... Today, we're going to deal with another component because I want to operate in a spirit of excellence. I want to be in a place that not only am I being my best, but in a place where I'm able to do my best. Again, not just having a desire to do my best, but literally being in a place where I can do my best. Number one, last week was time management. Number two, if you want to be in a place where you can do your best, you need to rest. Just put that in the chat. I need some rest. Yeah, I want to bless somebody in this place. Now, I'm going to go ahead and just, just go, go here. This is not necessarily a very popular message, especially in the hour that we're living in right now, because in our society, we do not reward rest. No, we, we reward progress. If, if you do something big, if you do something new, if you open a business, if you start a business, we reward you for progress. But the reality is, if you don't rest, come on, somebody, there will be no progress. Now, I want to highlight an, an article that I found, a peer review article. And, and just, just listen to this. 
The author says that you need sleep as much as you need to breathe and eat. While you're sleeping, your body is busy tending to your physical and mental health. The brain rests busy neurons and forms new pathways so you're ready to face the world in the morning. Sleep deprivation leaves the brain exhausted so it can't perform its duties well, interfering with your ability to concentrate and learn new things. A negatively impact, watch this, and negatively impacting both short-term and long-term me memory. The author goes on to say sleep, sleep depri deprivation gets in the way of your decision-making process and stifles creativity. Your emotions are also affected, making, making you more likely to have a shorter temper and mood swings. Can I get amen right up in there? Overall, cognitive function is impaired. Help me again preach to you because maybe this message is not for you. Help me to preach to your neighbor and just put it in the chat. Neighbor, you need some, you need some rest. Now watch this. In the book of Acts, chapter number 20, verses number 8, I just want to highlight this before we get to our foundational text. Um, the Apostle Paul is in a unique position. He, he calls for the elders at, from the church of Ephesus, and he's getting ready to have a final conversation with them. Now, understand if, watch this, imagine if you were, if you, if you were getting ready to see your husband for the last time. If you were getting ready to see your wife for the last time, if you knew that when you left this moment, th this would be the last time you'd be able to see your babies, what would you say to your children? What would you say to those you love and, and, and care for if it was the last conversation that you were going to have? I want to highlight this important statement that the Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter number 20, verses number 28. He's called the elders from the church of Ephesus, and he will see their face no more. He says to them in verse number 28, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. He says to them, before you take care of the flock, I need you to take care of yourself first. Because the reality is, if you don't take care of yourself, you won't be around long enough to be able to help nobody else. Even on an airplane, the steward will tell you that if this cabin begins to lose pressure and you're, you're sitting next to a child, when the mask come down, put it over yourself first before you put it over the child. But many of us, because our heart is so big, we'll have the tendency to put it over somebody else's face first. Come on, somebody. But the reality is, if you help them first, they may not be in a position where they can help you. This is what God stirred my heart with because I'm looking at a people of God who loves God, who loves the work of God, who loves the ministry of God, and the devil is trying to drive you to an early death because you won't take, a t take the time and take care of yourself. Paul, the Apostle Paul says, take heed therefore unto yourselves. Just type in the chat again. Neighbor, you need some um, you need some rest. In our foundational text in the book of 1 Kings, chapter number 19, verses number 1, this is powerful, man. It's actually very crazy. The Bible declares when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent the message to Elijah, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Look at, look at Elijah's response in verses number three. The Bible declares, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and, 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 his, and he left his servant there. Four declares, 
Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he says. Take my life, for I am no better than my, than my ancestors who have already died. Look at, look at the man of God. Look, look, look. Ooh, ooh. Pastor Nance said to me, he says, Pastor McGee, if you will remain good ground, if you will remain good ground, God will continue to sow into you and bless you. Now, understand, the man of God, he's not in a place of good ground right now. The problem with that is that God desires to continue to bless him so that if God is going to bless him, he needs to shake him out of the place that he's in right now. The scripture declares in verse number three, he is fearful. He's afraid. He's on the run. He fled for his life. He, watch this. He isolates himself from covenant relationships. Verses number four, the scripture highlights that he goes to the wilderness, a lonely environment. He's now, he has a complaining spirit. He's comparing himself to other people. I'm no better than my father. And he has this suicidal mindset. Now let's press pause for a second. You fearful, you on the run, you're afraid for your life, you're lonely, you're isolating yourself from covenant relationships, you have suicidal. Are you in a position where you are good ground? Where God has oh God help me in this play. Because some of you guys want, want God to violate his principle, but I'm telling you today that God is a God of principle. He's not gonna violate his principle to bless you just because you won't line up with his will for your life. If the man of God is going to receive further instruction if God is going to use him the way that he desires to use him he needs to shift from the mental state that he's in right now to back to a place of good ground so here's the question that I have for you today being in this position right now he's fearful he's afraid he's on the run he's suicidal he's complaining he's this this unhealthy comparison is in his soul what does he need from God what does he need talk to me somebody said he needs he needs what? He needs the anointing of God to rest upon his life. <laughs> Somebody said he needs a word. I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. He needs a word from the Lord. He needs God to talk to him right now. He needs God to shake him right now. He needs to, he needs to be sitting in the pews at EMCC right now. What, what does the man of God need in order to come out of this place of suicide, come out of this place of fearfulness, come out of this place of complaint? What does he need to get in a place where he is now good ground so God can continue to download fresh instructions into his mind? Understand, this is what God does for him. Oh, my God. When we get to verse number five, the Bible declares, then he laid down and slept. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You mean to tell me the man of God is fearful, he's half suicidal, he's, he's comparing himself to other people, and the way God answers him is he gives him an opportunity to rest. Because understand, some of you guys are trying to get a fresh word in a tired mind. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. And God is saying, I need you to rest. Look, the scripture declares that he lay down and he did what, y'all? The Bible declares he went to sleep. Come on. Some of you guys are sleeping, but you ain't resting. This message is not just about you sleeping, but it's about you resting. When I speak of resting, I'm talking about the whole man. I'm talking about, number one, your spirit being in a place of surrender and worship. Number two, your mind unloading the chaos that's upon your mind casting your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you and then number three the body allowing it to sit down and and rest sit down so that it can be restored the Bible declares verse number five then he lay down and slept under the broom tree but as he was sleeping an angel touched him and told him get up and eat the angel is encouraging him you Elijah you need to take care of yourself 
And I'm looking at some Elijahs and Elijahettes right now that's running, watch this, running yourself in the grave doing the will of God. And God is saying, now, my friend, you need to rest. When we get to verse number six, the Bible declares, he looked around and there beside him, beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Look at this. So he ate and drank and he laid down God a lot before God speaks to him, encourages him. He gives him an opportunity to get some rest. Look at what the angel of the Lord says to him in verse number seven. The Bible declares, then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. Or the journey ahead will be too much for you. This is what God has laid upon my heart. The if you don't take care of yourself, my friend, if you do not rest, if you do not take care of this temple, the journey ahead of you is going to be too much. The Apostle Paul says, take care of yourself, then take care of, of the work that I put your hands to. Because if you don't take care of you, you won't be no good for nobody else. Are y'all listening to me in this place? So this is what I want to do for the next few moments, and I'm almost done. I want to give you just some practical things because, again, when, when Pastor Nance, when he gave me this, this wisdom, and it's a principle, it's a biblical principle, he says, man of God, the key to ministry success is remaining good ground. So I want to know how do I remain good ground? How do I stay in this place of excellence? Not just, want, not just having an attitude or, excuse me, not just having a desire to, to, to operate at a level of being my best and do my best. How do I stay there? Number one, you need to better manage your time so you can give the proper amount of time to what it is that God has called you to do. Number two, you need to, you need to rest. So if you're taking notes, jot these three down, three things down. Number one, strategically schedule rest and work strategically schedule rest and work. This is what some of you guys do. You strategically schedule work. You got a calendar. You put it in Google Docs. You write it on your, your planner. You schedule work, but you don't schedule your rest. So what winds up happening when it comes to work, you, you have a defense up because you actually penciled it in. And if somebody says, can you come over here or can you do this for me? You can look at your calendar and you can say, no, I can't do that because I'm going to be busy doing this. Well, when you schedule your rest as well, you also put a guard up against this because just like I have time set aside for work, I also have time set aside for rest. Look at what the scripture declares in Genesis chapter number one, verses one. The Bible declares, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, and God said, let there be, what, y'all, light, and there was, what, light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Look at this. And God called the light day, and the darkness that he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, press pause for a second, and let's just highlight what it is that God has actually done. The earth was a muddy mess in darkness. It was, a, it was a chaotic place in darkness. On day number one, the only thing God did was reveal the mess that needed to be cleaned up. Now, if some of you guys were God, you would have squeezed six days into one. Yo, come on. Because if you would have saw the mess, y'all ain't saying nothing in this place, that the light had revealed, you wouldn't have went to sleep that night because you... I'm trying to help somebody in this place. God scheduled his work 
and he scheduled his rest. And he said, I'm not going to let you push me to do two days work in one. No, day number one, all I'm supposed to do is say, let there be light. When it gets to day number two, I'll, I'll clean up, I'll divide the waters from the waters and all that. I'll, I'll do the separation in day number two, three, four, five. But as of right now, here is my work, but I'm also scheduling my rest again in our society Rest is never rewarded. So because rest is never rewarded, you have to make it a personal priority in your own life. Because I'm telling you, people, oh my God, people even that love you, that love you, sometimes they will push you to an early grave because people don't see, watch this, they don't see what you have done. They only sometimes see what needs to be. I'm going to let that marinate in the atmosphere right there. People that love you, they don't see what you've done. Oftentimes, they only see what needs to be done, and they push and push and push and push and push. And some of you guys are on your way to the crazy house because you simply will not rest. Number two, if you're taking notes, I need you to jot this down. Free your identity from your activity. Free your identity from your activity. Let me say it a different way. Your identity might be too strongly tied to your activity. Now, if, if this is for nobody else, it is definitely for me because I, I, I went on a sabbatical this week for two days and, and God, I had an opportunity to rest spiritually, mentally, and physically. And God began to minister this to me because I've been, I, I, I said this when the pandemic first started, I called a couple of my, my, my pastor friends and I told them, I need you guys to pray for me because I'm on fumes right now. Now that's at the beginning of the pandemic. We're talking about February, March. I'm already on fumes. I missed two sabbaticals in preparation what, that I had already planned. So I'm on fumes and I've been continuing to run on fumes. And I t- finally told my wife, I just told her at the last minute, I, I got to go rest I got to go rest this week. And as I was resting, I'm seeking the face of God as to why I am so tired and it's so hard for me to actually sit down and to rest. And this is what God showed me. He says to me that your your identity is tied to your activity and it limits you from experiencing my rest. Let me show you what he showed me. In Ephesians chapter number 4, verses number 11, the Bible declares, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. God spoke to me and he says that there's a difference between a pastor and pastoring. A pastor is the office. It is what I have called you. Pastoring is the activity of the pastor. So your identity is linked to what you do. So whenever you ain't doing it, you feel worthless. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Whenever you're not acting, doing the work of a pastor, your self-esteem is lowered because your identity is tied to what you do and it's not tied to who I said you are. And there's a father that's about to kill himself right now. There's a mother that's half suicidal right now. You can't stop mothering because your identity, your self-worth is attached to what you do as opposed to who God says you, you are. Number three, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Trust God with what is undone. Trust God. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you because this is, This was and is the hardest thing for me to do right now because this is what God requires. When you trust God with what is undone, there are times that he allows certain things to fall to the ground. And and we as people, we hate to fail. We hate to see failure in our lives. 
but God spoke to me. I'm just communicating directly what he said to me. There are certain people that I'm trying to convict concerning work that they're supposed to do, but because you won't let it fall to the ground, I can't convict their hearts because you keep holding it up. He took me, let me give you some Bible. He took me to the scripture where Moses was on the mountain with his hands lifted and Joshua was down in the valley fighting. Aaron and her would have never had a prick in their heart unless they saw Moses' hands begin to fall and the battle begin to be lost. When, the, when they saw the battle being lost and the man of God's hand beginning to slip, it was falling to the ground. Conviction filled their hearts. They set Moses on the stone and then they propped him up. God was able to convict them because they were actually beginning to see because of their inactivity, the whole nation was doing. You, you've got to trust God with what is undone. Now, let me give you a scripture here in Colossians chapter number two, verses number 16. The Bible declares, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow. They're, they're a, the, the, the festival, the Jewish festivals, the Sabbath day, they're, they're, they're eating restrictions. He says these are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. In essence, the Apostle Paul, what he's saying, that anything that you add to grace through faith is legalism. Anything. I, I believe that a believer should be baptized. I teach that. But watch this, we baptize as a response to salvation, not as a necessity to salvation. I believe that a believer should live holy. I believe that they should live a consecrated life. But watch this, holiness, watch this, it's a response to my salvation, not a necessity for. So anything that you add to the death, burial, and resurrection, it is legalism. So watch this, when it comes to Old Testament laws, we're not bound by the law, but we but we should live by the principles of the law because what he said is still good today. It's not the necessity of salvation, but the principles of, of what he said is still good for us today. I'm not bound to a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven day rest, a four day seven. We're not bound by the law, but the principle of the Sabbath is still applicable for the believers today. You can look Old and New Testament and you can see God commanding and challenging his people to rest in him, their spirits, their minds, and their bodies. So watch this. If we're going to highlight the principle of the Sabbath, we, we need to know what the law of Sabbath is. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter number five, verses number 12. The writer says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, consecrated, as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your, your oxen, your donkeys, and other livestock. And any foreigners living among you, all your male and female servants must rest. They must, he says, everybody must rest as you do. Now, now pause for a moment. When you look at other places where the scripture highlights the Sabbath in the Old Testament, you look at Exodus 5, Exodus 15, other places in the scripture, usually there's some form of punishment. There's some form of consequence that the scripture highlights for breaking the Sabbath. In Deuteronomy 5.15, he, 
he doesn't highlight the consequence. He logically reasons with them why they should keep the Sabbath. Because understand, if, if they're going to keep the Sabbath, understand, if, if I am a business owner, okay, God, I'll rest, but I still need my children to work. No, 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 not your children. Mm, I want you to rest and your children. Okay, well, if I rest and my house rests, then at least my servants can work. No, 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 no. I want you to rest, your children, and your, well, if, if they can't rest, at least the, let the animals do what they do. No, no, no. I want everything in your house to God. This don't make sense to me. I'm used to kicking it strong for seven days, but you telling me to give a whole day of rest, of worship, mental relaxation, and an opportunity for my body to physically be restored. Yes, this is why when you get to verse number 15, he says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. But the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful. Here's the incentive of resting. Remember when you couldn't do nothing for yourself and how I sustained you? Rem remember when you were in slavery and you had, I mean, you couldn't do nothing. You had, you had no choices. And I, I was still there for you. I'm going to allow you to work six. But if you would just give me one day, if you give me one day, this is what's going to happen. I'm gonna, God said, I'm going to do more for you in six days than you can do in the whole seven days. If God, if he was speaking to us right now, I believe he'd say, look at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> My God, when I look at that drive-thru, truly, compared to every other place, they seem to do more in six than most businesses do in seven. Resting, final point, it takes faith. It's take, it takes faith. It takes faith takes faith so God if I really take my hands off of it you got it I got you my son if I take my hands off if I close my eyes again there's some of you guys that are actually sleeping but, but you're really not resting because you go to bed worrying about things you really have no power to change yourself there's some of you guys you really need to give it to God what do you mean give it to God? You need to relax and allow your mind to focus on his goodness and not your problems. Even some of you guys that are watching me right now, it's been hard for you to watch me right now because you got so many issues going on in your life. You can't, folk, you can't take one hour. And man, we've been doing pretty good. I'm under pressure by the time, by the time we actually come to in person, I'm under pressure because we've been having an hour service for how many weeks now? Y'all gonna be looking at me crazy, but I don't care. Jesus takes faith takes faith some of you guys they can't couldn't focus in a whole hour because you're idolizing your problems you're focusing so, on so much on what you want to do there's a time in your life where you need to say God I've done all that I can do in the natural and spiritually I've done all that I could do to pray I'm going to lay this one to rest. <laughs> I'm going to leave it right there. Until you start talking to every, you ain't talking to me about it. I had heard nothing from you, but I'm continuing to stress myself. I'm not eating. I have these bad headaches. I'm going through depression. These suicidal thoughts are taunting my mind again, all because of something that I want you to do. I know I can't do. Well, you know what? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt when you pray, my friend, God hears you. 
he hears your prayer. So I'm going to leave that to you and let you do what you want to do, when you want to do it, how it is you desire to do it. Now watch this. Let me tell you who, <laughs> let me tell you the hardest people, the people that find it the hardest to rest. Let me say it like that. You want to know who those individuals are? That some of you guys know who they are. There are people that have fallen short of the glory of God some type of way that's trying to earn his favor and his grace again. They won't receive the free gift of forgiveness. They're trying to earn it. They're trying to do good works to get back in favor. When the scripture teaches us, if you will confess your sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and not only forgive you, but he will cleanse you of all un fallen righteousness will you just receive the free gift or will you continue to work 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 yourself maybe into an early grave I'm telling you today my friend the devil is absolutely a liar you need to rest in Jesus do you remember the story of the prodigal son sure you do the prodigal son he had made up in his mind things that he's gonna do when he gets home to earn his worth again. I'm going to ask my father just to make me one of the hired servants. I'm going to do work around the yard, work around the house to try to earn my way back in. What happened? He got up out of that hog pen, had his mind made up, things he was going to say to his dad, things he was going to ask. The scripture teaches that the father, y'all, he runs to his boy and he embraces him and he restores him Will you receive the free gift today, my friend? Jesus offers you a free gift today. And this is what restoration looks like. It doesn't look like God taking you back to the place where you fell. But true restoration is God taking you to the place you would have been at had you never fallen. That's what God wants to do for you if you'll make a choice today to rest in him. Rest in him today. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for this opportunity, God, to minister the word of God to your people. God, somebody needed to be challenged with this message. Somebody, Lord God, was getting ready to fall short like the Ephesian elders, so consumed with their responsibilities that they would drive themselves into an early grave because they wouldn't take out the time to actually rest. So, Father, just like we schedule our work, we schedule our work, we schedule our work, we need to schedule time for worship. Just like we schedule time to work, we need to schedule time to allow our minds to let go of the tension and the stress of our day. Just like we schedule work, God, we need to schedule time for our bodies to be inactive so that they can. This mechanism that you placed on the inside of us, we need to rest. So my friend, my brother today, Lord God, that has fallen short, my sister God, that has fallen short of your glory, working themselves to death, and all they need to do is rest in you. I'm asking for you to give them rest. If that's you and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you need to find rest in him today, I want to lead you to the Lord. Or maybe you're one of those individuals that you were at a place a stronger place with him years ago, months ago, maybe weeks ago, 
but something has transpired in your life, something has popped off that, is, that you feel that has driven you to a backslidden place, God says, find rest in me today. Repeat this simple prayer after me. Say, Father, I've con I confess that I've fallen short of your glory in many ways. I've said things, I've done things, and I've thought things that I know you're not pleased with. God, I realize the only way I can be reunited with you is through your grace, your blood, your forgiveness. So today, come on, say it. Today, I choose to stop working for salvation and I choose to spend my life working because of this great salvation. I no longer work for the gift, but out of an attitude of gratitude, I spend my life working because of the gift. God, for that young man, for that young woman, that boy, that girl, that prayed that simple prayer, God, and meant it in their hearts, I know you see what I can't see. You feel what I'm, I'm not able to feel. But I thank you, Lord God, that you're ministering victory in their, their lives, that you're giving them rest in their souls. I bless you, and I thank you for it now. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said and everybody typed, amen, amen, amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. As my lovely wife comes, Lady Irene T. McGee, and you look absolutely amen. beautiful today. Amen. Amen. What a word on today. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You gone? You leaving me? Amen. What a word on today. I'm just kind of like just basking in the word. I don't know about you, but it really touched my heart in several areas. Amen. I'm one of them workaholics. So, amen. I was convicted by the word on today. Amen. Amen. At this time, amen, you can take time to give, amen, and to sow into Empowerment Ministries if you have uh, not done so. There will be several ways on the screen in order to give by text, by cash app, online. Uh, there are several people who drop it off at the church, and that's fine as well. We are truly grateful, amen, for you tuning in and joining in with us on today. I hope that you were able to watch the Children's Church uh, from earlier this morning. If your children were not able to watch it, go back and watch it. It was actually uh, awesome. Uh, we are looking for enthusiastic readers, not just readers, but enthusiastic readers that are going to engage the kids. We're super excited about what we're doing now. We'll be coming back together soon soon more announcements will be coming don't forget on thursday night pastor mcgee is going to do part three of racial reconciliation share that with someone join us on thursday night on facebook live also don't forget to send your pictures fathers i'll send out another text to emcc gulf coast your picture your collages you by yourself you with your children it doesn't matter but we'd like to celebrate with you on next saturday we'll be texting out a time that we'll come together for communion pickup and to pick up your father's day gifts we love you we miss you stay safe and God bless you. We are a church family that honors God in everything we say and do. God bless you. Love you all. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed, waiting for you, ready when you are. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org, and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. 
We'll see you next time.